So, how's everybody doing today? Good. Pre- pretty dandy. How you guys? Very, very good. Um, in case you're wondering what you're listening to, you're listening to Movies Last Night. Um, once again, your new favorite podcast about movies and nothing else really, just movies. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes no television, politi- sometimes. Sometimes television, yeah. Um, but other than that, if you're not really into movies, yeah, I'd probably not listen to the podcast called Movies Last Night. Um, so today I'm joined with by Chris Hinson and Eric Abraham. Um and is everybody doing it's it feels like it's like a hundred degrees outside, or is it just me? I thought it felt really good today. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I was good. I turned this place into an ice box and then, you know, shut everything then, off. Yeah. And then writing it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how I that's how I exist now. <laughs> I, I know this week it's supposed to be a scorcher, like in the hundreds. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh great. I'll look forward to wonderful. Um You've okay. been listening to Weather Last Night. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're rebranding right now. <laughs> is there a Pivot. lot of weather? There probably is a lot. I think I heard that thing where it was like there's now like over one million podcasts, different podcasts on like Apple. Uh, it's like max saturation point. Yeah, yeah, I I have no idea how anybody would be able to find this or listen to it. So I'm always surprised when when people listen to it. I mean, yeah, right. I, I I I it's hard to like navigate. Um, like if I just put in movies into like Apple podcasts or something like this, it brings up a bazillion things that I've never even heard of. So if you're listening, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Um, Great. Subscribe just... review. <laughs> smash that like button. There yeah. Why do they say smash? It really grosses me out. It's, it's really know. aggressive. It is aggressive. And it just reminds me of like, you know, like, like teenagers saying, oh, we're going to smash tonight or something like really gross. Uh, I, I, w- I, guess, I guess I would prefer smash to lightly caress. I don't know. That sounds. Yeah. Or, or tap that like. <laughs> stroke, tap that like stroke the like button. The, stroke. <laughs> there's, there's no good way to say it. So there's no good way to say it. So uh, yeah. Anyway, um, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay. So we're going to be talking about a movie called The Innocence. The Innocence came out um late last year. Now, what's interesting about this movie is if you were to just key in The Innocence into like Google, there is so many movies mm-hmm. with this title. Not only is there so many movies that span from like, I don't know, like throughout the history of cinema, there's also, um, I think, multiple television shows called The Innocence, including yeah. the one that recently was airing on Netflix. So the one we're talking about specifically is The Innocence that came out in late 2021. Um, it's a Norwegian film, and I can't pronounce the title in Norwegian. I'm not even going to try, because I don't want to be offensive to anybody. But I think what's interesting about this is the whole time I've been thinking about this movie, I can think, why would you call it The Innocence if there's so many other movies called The Innocence? Mm. And I think it's because they didn't. It's it, it. They called it what they called it in Norwegian. Yeah. And then... Because of that translation, that's what's lumped it in with everything else. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I mean, you probably just got Americanized and or Westernized, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, well, what's the easiest thing than crazy power kid killers, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the movie... Um, it made its premiere at uh, the Cannes Film Festival in 2021. So it's actually, it is now available for streaming and it's have has a, like a small theatrical run right now too. But 
the movie premiered quite a while ago, um, and a lot of people have already seen it. Um, now, it later screened at Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas in September 2021, um, and it, the distribution rights in America were picked up by IFC Midnight. IFC Midnight is the same distribution company that just did Watch It, that we just previously did an episode on. Um, so, pretty interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on IFC Midnight because I feel like they're starting to pick up some pretty interesting things. Mm perhaps always have been and it just wasn't on my radar but like over these past few weeks i've definitely started to think about that um now a little bit about the movie other than that um not that it's important but we'll say on on the uh rotten tomatoes like you know the whole like um is it fresh is it not um it has an approval rating of 97 percent based on 86 reviews with an average rating of seven out of ten um which is very high and not only is it high it's high because it's a horror movie technically yeah um we'll get into the themes of the movie because it's a little bit more complicated than it's a horror movie um but for a movie that is a horror movie it's got a very very high score on rotten tomatoes which isn't usually the case um so there's a lot of positive buzz going around about this movie so chris were you aware of this movie before we brought it up the other week Yes, but I didn't really know what it was about, and I still, before we, I watched, I didn't watch the trailer or read the synopsis, so oh, I had oh. I went in completely blind. But I had seen the uh, the poster a couple weeks ago. I'm part of an A24 film group on Facebook, and they were talking about it. So mm-hmm. I was eventually going to get around to seeing it. Oh, okay, cool, Eric. You were the one. Um, I've heard of this movie because obviously, I know that one of the writers or the actual the writer director of this movie was also a co-writer on worst person in the world yeah so this movie had came up my radar and i had actually read a review of this movie um a little a little short form review and it was a few months back and it was really really stellar the review was like something along the lines of everybody missed the best movie of 2020 um, yeah because it came out so late and we're like nobody's talking about it um and it got eclipsed by obviously worst person in the world's success um so how did you hear about this movie? Um, it, I'm sure it was one of those those instances where um, I was watching trailers on YouTube and it popped up uh, and I was like, oh, what's this? And they always kind of attach um, film festival titles to to previews beforehand so i was like oh it was it previewed at this this done done well did well at such and such festival so i was like i'll keep watching and um and i think i also saw that it was playing at the bell court too so i was like well why why haven't i heard of it sooner so i i started to kind of look into it uh at that point and then suggested i i watched it like on one of my days off not really suggesting it to for a for a podcast at all but then i watched it and i was like we need to talk about this movie oh yeah yeah actually i'm not gonna lie eric it's very rare in all the the years that i've known you now all the movies that we've seen together it is very rare for me to have you blow up about a movie like this with me like what, when you sent me a message, you were like, I think I've just seen the best. Well, I'm not going yeah. to spoil what you're going to say about the movie. But uh, I've never had like a, like, it's been a while since I've had that like kind of like passion for a movie. For yeah. You. Yeah. Because um, I know there's been stuff that even things that I, I know that you really liked when we come out of, you're hard to read, Eric. So like when we came out of like um, 
your favorite pick of when, a few episodes ago when we talked about our best movies of the year so far you mentioned um the northman yeah is being your number one and i would never have gotten that from you <laughs> and yeah. you liked it but i didn't know you know what i mean yeah um, yeah but you're just the opposite of me i suppose because i i'm like i have verbal diarrhea so i'll just be like <laughs> oh my god i love everything everything's amazing i love everything. <laughs> eric's very intentional with what he likes and talks about so yeah, yeah for sure yeah. Had yeah. you had you seen this movie before you made that list that that halfway through the year list we did a couple weeks ago? No, no, no. Okay. I th- I want to say it was like uh, a week or two after that after that list episode, and um, like I said, I ju- I watched it kind of on a whim. I had uh, I had some time, not time to kill, but I was like, ah, I don't want to do anything. I just want to kick back and watch a movie. Oh, this is I can get this right now. I'll just watch it and we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I'm most interested to hear, Chris is mm. I, like talking to you about this movie because I, I watched the trailer before I watched the movie and I'd read a brief review about the movie. So I knew the themes and the tones of the tone of the movie. Yeah. Um, but to get, when we get to it, I'm fascinated to hear what your take is going in blind to this movie because yeah. this movie it's it's a thing like things happen in this movie and this movie is like i don't know it's i'm not gonna say shocking but it is very shocking it, it depends i suppose on your tolerance but like i just find the the fact of the matter is you were watching this movie unfold without any clue i think that it's got to be the best way to watch it um mm. yeah yeah um i i wish i hadn't seen a, a trailer for it and just heard that it was good and and just kind of Mm-hmm. went for mm-hmm. it so yeah uh, me too i wish and i think this is looping background to what we were talking about the other day too um so there's a new trailer up for nope um mm-hmm. so i ran into oh, no. uh dnb daniel nope is one of our friends who's been on previous episodes of the podcast um so i'm sure if anybody's listened to that he's um a good friend of ours very into movies just like all of us are and uh i ran into him the other day and he was like did you see the new trailer for nope and i was like uh nope <laughs> um <laughs> And he was like, don't watch it. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I'd never seen it. It ruined the movie for me because I had, I was hyping what I thought the movie was going to be. And I felt like the trailer has literally told me what the movie is. Oh. And he's devastated. Oh, man. So everybody, if you're listening to this public service announcement from your friends at movies last night, stop watching bloody trailers. Yeah. Just stop watching them. <laughs> yeah. It- I mean, if you're if you're interested, if if like you have a passion for watching movies, um, I I re- recently within the last few years, what I've kind of started doing is I'll I'll go to on Letterboxd and um, I'll just look either like at best of best of the year so far, something like that, and and they'll they'll rank it out and they'll it'll they'll just give like a paragraph, like a little paragraph synopsis of maybe what the film is, um. They they do sometimes attach trailers, but I but I kind of stray away from that. But it kind of it'll it'll kind of give you like a a a nice glimpse of kind of what's coming up, and maybe you can avoid uh, some spoilery stuff that you're not interested in, but still kind of being in in the know as well. You know, it's not your like standard fanfare of stuff that you're just gonna see. Yeah, like uh, when you go to the, you know, like uh, Jurassic Park or Top Gun or something like that, you know, you're you're going to get a little bit of maybe some art house stuff or independent stuff that you weren't necessarily knew you were looking for, or knew you wanted to see, but 
is out there. Well, I I think the issue, I mean, at least for me, is that trailers are too long now. They're like yeah. two to three minutes long. Yeah. And it, it seems yeah. like it really takes away letting the audience determine their own interpretation of what they think the movie's going to be. It's telling you, like, apparently, like, the note, the note trailer telling you what it's going to be about. And then for me, I'm able to put two and two together. Like, okay, this happens in this scene, and now we're in this scene of the movie when I'm watching it. I think this is what's going to happen based on what the trailer showed me. And I'm able to kind of, like see the crump the the pieces and put them together while i'm watching it and maybe that's just me being too much in my head but i find that it really taints my experience oh totally yeah oh yeah 100 percent. and i feel like what's even more shocking about this to me is especially if jordan peele was involved in the movies that he's done and uh, how vague uh his last movie us specifically was like I felt like that was kind of shrouded in like, what the hell is it about? And then you watch it and you kind of make your own assumptions based on whatever kind of metaphor that he's trying to tell you, you know what I mean? With mm-hmm. the movie. But like, especially as for Jordan Peele, who also took on the helm of like the reimagining of the Twilight Zone. For him, so what I'm hoping is, is what I'm hoping is that Daniel was red herringed by the trailer. So it's not going to be what the trailer says it is because I just can't imagine Jordan Peele being like, oh yeah, it's only like, four more weeks till my movie comes out the one we've been hyping for an entire year that i've never said anything about and everybody's been super vague about yeah let's just tell them what the movie's about before we, you know what i mean <laughs> i just i don't think he's the kind of person that would do that hopefully but then again we forget that a lot of the times these directors have don't have control really they don't have final cut a lot of the time they definitely yeah. probably don't have i know that it's very rare apparently for directors to have trailer cut privilege where any control over trailers at all yeah, um, I I would imagine it would be that way unless you have unless you're putting out a product that you finance yourself, uh, release yourself. You know, uh, you're you're fully involved and in, and in a studio is not involved with. Yeah, we'll see when we make our movie. Just imagine though, if they did have that kind of crew control, because they could carefully curate the entire experience from seeing the trailer to the movie for their audience and be able to kind of create the experience they want for their art that they made. That would be so no. cool. You know, I know Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was cool. going to say, you know, who does that and does that very well is, um, at least within the last few years or so, is Kevin Smith. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, you know what's funny, though, is I haven't seen a lot of Kevin Smith's later output. output um, yeah. Same, same. But I mean, that's kind of the model that he's, I think, basing his like later career on now. Yeah. Because I almost get the feeling that a lot of that stuff must be self-funded by Smith um, or like self-financed, you know what I mean? Um, But like speaking of that, like what you said, Chris, is is really true because so Dan Trachtenberg, uh, who's the guy who did 13 Cloverfield Lane, um, Mm -hmm. the really, really wonderful 13 Cloverfield Lane, which what was funny about that movie is, is, I don't know if you remember at the time when that movie came out, there was almost very little known about that movie. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and, purposely so that because it was jj abrams and he was swinging his weight behind it the the link between that and the cloverfield monster spoilers for a movie you know what i mean whatever if you listen to this um i just spoiled it for you but it was very vague about whether or not it was related to cloverfield and then people only really found out when they actually watched the movie and you get to the final scene and that's the type that's basically the only time that the movie links itself mm-hmm. um and now abrams was very involved in that and very involved in like the secrecy around surrounding that um so Dan Trachtenberg has a new movie coming out called Prey, which is a Predator movie um, mm-hmm. set in, um, it's like the, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the time period, but I'm guessing it's like, I know it's like uh, Native American tribes that he's basically going up against. So we're going back in time. Um, Great name for the movie too, Prey, as opposed to Predator, which I think. Now, apparently Dan Trachtenberg, uh, the movie was acquired. It's going on Hulu because I think it was, it was tied up in when Disney took over, acquired Fox. And then um, the rights got mixed up. So I think it's that's why Disney's kind of just dumping it on Hulu mm. as opposed to actually giving it a proper cinema release. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because apparently, uh, I heard this on another podcast, but apparently Trachtenberg was fighting Disney to not say what it was in the trailer, to not say it was a Predator movie, to not give any reveal that it was a Predator uh, yeah, movie trailer. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want to do it. I just want people to watch it and think it's some movie. And then it turns out it's a Predator movie. And you're like, holy shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great? That would have been fun. great. That's part yeah. of the experience. You'll yeah. never forget that when you're in a theater and you're like, oh shit, this is a movie about Predator? I know, right? Wouldn't that be <laughs> crazy? You just thought it was like a really cool like historical thriller or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. Um, guys, what's the theme for this today's episode? Because uh, <laughs> obviously we like to have a, a nice goofy little theme and a little conversation and talk about some movies that are on point with the theme of the movie about um so i guess we're going to do top three now this might be a push to get three because it certainly was for me so don't worry about it yeah don't worry about doing three well at least do one each top movie that has creepy kids in it i have two creepy children now yeah great so it could be like it's about creepy kids or just so happens that there is a kid who's creepy in the movie. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, this is about children. Because we know that like The Shining's technically not about those little girls, but those little girls are creepy as hell in The Shining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so who wants to go first? I'll go. Go for it. I kind of wanted to do something a little unconventional because like, you already mentioned The Shining. I'm not going to do The Shining. but Well, yeah. I wanted to do Hard Candy starring Elliot Page, directed mm-hmm. by David Slade. It's not conventionally creepy, but I thought the fact that he played a child who purposely put themselves in a position to trap a predator. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the movie, it's about um, a child who basically realizes that there's this, this guy who is a pedophile. And they kind of play coy and decide to put themselves in a position so that they can get leverage and, and assume power over this person who is assuming that they're, they're going to be prey. Is that correct, if I remember it correctly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. thought it was just kind of creepy how much the character that Elliot Page plays like is really into like manipulating and being sadistic and torturing this person, regardless if they're a pedophile or not. Yeah. Uh, now, what's interesting that then, so how old is Elliot Page's character supposed to be in that movie? Like 15 or 16? Yeah, so technically, I mean, he, like in the eyes of the law, yeah, too technically a child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe fourteen actually. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to gauge because I think he he just looks young now, and like he's probably like what thirty eight yeah. or something now. So like, <laughs> never always had that kind of baby face, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, what I think think was just the creepiest element for me is is the movie plays with your head in terms of who's the actual predator and who's the yeah. Predator. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that movie blowing me away. Um, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it, it's like, um, it's just like, it, it plays like, like a play, like a stage play because it's just mm-hmm. the two of them pretty much the entire time. Okay. Eric, I would let you go. Um, 
Well, I got I did three because Papa's trying to get an A on his homework. So, um, <laughs> God, you call me some Papa so quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I went number three, and, and two of my movies actually I realize have the same actress in them uh, unintentionally, but it is the case in this. Um, number three for me is Jonathan Glazer's Birth. Oh yeah. Um, which has a great performance by one, Nikhil Kidman, and then two, um, the the child who who plays I can't remember the the actor's name, but it, it's just like it's a super intense. Danny Danny Houston's in it as well. A super intense um suspense suspense thriller where Nicole Kid. Nicole Kidman's husband passes away suddenly fiance passes away and then this this kid comes into her life the stranger basically who is like eight eight or between eight and eleven maybe and um insists that he is the reincarnation of her dead husband and she slowly starts to believe him um but to, this is like what it's very like you don't know what's going on. You don't know who to believe, who not to believe. The kid has all the right answers. So, um, and he plays it super straight. So, uh, I think it was a, a great, like creepy kid type of movie because he, he did such a great job in, in that role. Yeah. It's a great choice. What's a yeah, great choice. choice. Um, so mine's very traditional, very straightforward, but what's interesting is the more I kind of like, so I had an, some movies sprang to mind immediately. So I started like looking things up in one movie sprang to mind in, um, I was thinking about children of the corn. Now I know there's, there's a bunch of different adaptations of children of the corn over the years. And actually there's like multiple sequels. I think there's like five, um, children of the corn mainline movies. Mm. Um, and children of the corn is a Stephen King property. Is that correct? It's like yeah. based on a Stephen King book. Yeah. Okay. And what's funny is, is I kept thinking in my head, I was like, well, it's the one with Christopher Reeve. That's the one I like the best. The one with Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve's not in Children of the Corn. <laughs> Christopher Reeve is in John Carpenter's Village of the Damned. Oh, yeah. Now, talk about another movie with creepy kids, though. So basically, Village of the Damned um, is a remake, too. I think it's a, a Carpenter remake. I think I think that movie probably came out in the like, 40s or 50s or whatever, like the original yeah. um, sci-fi movie. But um, what's great about uh, Village of the Damned is... It, so it's uh, like a small town and... Um, the small town is like visited by some kind of like entity or life force or whatever it is um, that forces all of the women in the town to become pregnant uh, all at the same time. And then nine months later, they all have kids and then the kids come out and they all start to grow up, but they all become, they're all like um, hive mind kids with like um very uh, visually unique style. So it's like, they have like that, like I, the girls have like white silver hair and the boys have like white silver hair and like a bowl cut uh, and the nefarious and then basically start to take over the town essentially. And it, it's, it's cheesy. It's old. It's fun. It's very camp. Um, But I, I just really like it. And it's always been one of the first movies that like sprang to mind when I saw, cause I saw what I saw it when I was younger. And I think I wasn't really, um, it wasn't that I was freaked out by it, but I, I, I've always found over the years that movies that have like a strong performance by a child that's like, or children, specifically this and Children of the Corn, it, it's always been something that's been kind of like creepy to me. And like, you know how some people are like kind of scared of clowns and they'll be like, I don't like movies with clowns in, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
kids are like that for me, creepy kids. So, so you're scared of children? <laughs> well, just, well, you know, it's true. I mean, I don't want to say, well, yeah, I just don't really like children. But we'll get into <laughs> that's, that, that That's fair. <laughs> that's a valid opinion. <laughs> yeah, they're little shits. I don't like any of them, really. Uh, apologies if you have a kid, but like, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> um, mine was uh, Goodnight Mommy. Have either of you seen that? Nice, nice. Um, it's on my list to see, um, Elliot, another friend of ours who, who's been on the podcast, he actually, uh, we did a movie swap where I said, like, I picked a movie for him to watch and he picked a movie for me to watch and uh, Goodnight yeah. Mommy's the one that he wants me to watch. So it's on my radar. I would love so. to do an episode on that. So I won't give away what happens, but basically it just has two creepy twins in it. And, um, it's an Austrian film by, uh, Veronica Franz and Severn Fiala. And it's basically just like... These two little kids, their mom goes away to have some kind of plastic surgery and she comes back and things are just a little off. But it's really like the role that they take and and the acting from from both of them that I think really drives the movie. So uh, am I right in thinking, yeah, like, so no spoilers because I, I do want to see it. Eric, have you seen this movie? You've seen it. I'm sure I, I'm, I know about it. If I have seen it, it's been quite a while. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So am I right in thinking that like the movie tows the line between you not being sure if the children are right or the mother's right? It would have been so like you don't know who to side with. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely plays around with that. Yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating. So, um, I'm really excited to see that. That's a good pick, Chris. Thank you. Um, uh, for my next one, I'm gonna go with uh one of the movies that I I think kind of toes the line. Uh, of one of my favorite vampire movies and that is it has two great uh, child actors in it and that's uh, the original of let the right one in yeah watch watch the original don't watch the remake it's nonsense Um, because uh, the the original does some like really interesting things with with its story and takes some real chances um, that the remake just kind of skirts by completely um and i i want to say i'm not sure if it's dutch or norwegian i i'm not 100 percent sure on that um but it, it takes place like a like a strange girl comes into town with a caretaker and she attaches herself to this kind of loner boy who's has a lot of like psychological problems and parental problems and a lot of stuff going on bullying and they kind of create this bond this natural bond um and really kind of a a very caring bond it comes across that way it comes across uh very well in the movie that uh, you really kind of care for both of these kids except one of them is is a uh a, a monster <laughs> for, for not to give anything away, but just, yeah, not, not the, the most, um, greatest person in the world, but I, she, she really does kind of care for him the, as best as that she can. But, uh, if you get a chance, like watch the original, uh, let the it's right Swedish. one in. Is it Swedish? Yeah. Swedish. Yeah. Um, yeah. great, great movie. Great movie. It's I'm sure it's streaming somewhere, like probably on Amazon, something like. That. Yeah, it is. And what's funny is, as I know, 
I know everybody says don't watch the the remake. I I don't know. I kind of like the remake, but I can't remember. Am I just like getting it confused because it's been so long since I've seen the original? Who but I, I don't know why I feel like the remake's not as bad as people say it is. It's not. It's not that it's bad or horrible, but it just doesn't stand up. It, doesn't, it doesn't need to exist, really. It, it really. Yeah, there's there was no point. It, it's basically because no one in America. I I mean, it's very a gross generalization. No one probably saw the original because it was a small release or yeah. or just you had to go searching for it basically um and then when they gave it kind of a a larger release they put named actors in it and it it kind of it did that like that probably got thrown into like a January February maybe March release where they weren't didn't have a lot of confidence in it and it kind of showed in that way did didn't they change the title of it too? Yeah, let, let yeah. Me in. It was like it let was like in. yeah, let me in. Yeah, that was it. Which kind of, I think, also changes what the movie's about in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, no, it totally does because let the right one in is such a like you know it's so key to the movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. but like let me in. Yeah, it. it yeah, it's not. They should have just kept it what it was. If you mean. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my choice is. I feel like mine are pretty predictable and not like, I don't know. In in your defense, though, this was very kind of difficult to find uh, a, a list of, of movies like, of kind of movies that, that we wanted to talk about. I, I was having a difficult time because I know I've seen a ton of movies that I've really enjoyed that have had kind of creepy kids or scary kids or whatever whatever it is but still it's like i is this considered you know that or or no totally yeah, yeah i i totally think that i think it's like it, it it's such a subjective thing too and like i feel like also it's such a horror trope that there's creepy kids in so many movies like um uh the others with nicole K- you know what i mean like it goes on and on devil's backbone like mm-hmm. so many movies um that it's kind of like but they're, they're not really like, I don't know, it, with certain movies, yeah, the point of the, like, I just watched a movie recently called The Turning, I think it's called, and it's with that kid from Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I just had to take my nicotine gum out, I put it in, and I was like, it, it sounds really loud when I'm t- talking. <laughs> <laughs> At least in my headphones, I could hear, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so I watched that movie, and um, the trailer, I don't know if you remember the trailer. They were pushing this movie. I totally remember that trailer, yeah. yeah. Pre-pandemic. It was yeah, a big trailer pre-pandemic. And it kind of got buried, the movie, when the pandemic kicked off. Um, in there's a the main actress in it, I forget her name. She's from Black Mirror, um, Terminator, uh, a bunch of stuff. She's great. Anyway, she um the um HBO show that we both just watched. Station eleven. Um, Station eleven. Um, I'll, I'll remember her name, but anyway, she's like the main actress and I love her and everything. So, and like, I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And it's, it's two creepy kids chastising a, she's like a nanny. So in this like stately home kind of thing that she goes to. And uh, she, and these two children are very like awkward, very weird, very like, um, very creepy. And they basically chastise her and like torment her throughout the movie. Now, the, like the reason I bring that up is because it's, it was just such a, a rote, boring movie when i watched it because it's mm. like this is just such standard horror bullshit you know what i mean isn't that kid creepy like he's playing with a dead frog or something like that you know what i mean <laughs> so i'm gonna go back to a classic i'm gonna go back to a movie that i saw when i was younger that kind of like messed with my head fucked me up a little bit um and it's uh the omen oh yeah first one yeah. now 
all of them are pretty good. Like the first three are actually all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one is, um, I think it's Gregory Peck. Um, and basically it follows along the lines of, um, so I think he's like an ambassador or like a, some kind of politician who's based in London, but he's an American politician. Um, and him and his wife, um, they have like a, a miscarriage, I believe, something along the lines of that. When they're at the hospital, um, they're approached by somebody as like, hey, well, why would you be interested in adopting just one of these kids who whose mother died in childbirth at the hospital and we can just kind of do a switcheroo and you can have this kid. You know the old I mean? switcheroo. Yeah, the old, I mean, never do a switcheroo with kids. Like just, <laughs> like just don't do it. A, because it's really bad, but like B, it's probably going to lead to like horrible things happening later. So they do that. They take, they take the boy on Damien and then he's called Damien, by the way. And then um, over time, they start no- noticing how um, mysterious and creepy this kid is. And then um, the, I, I think it's like a priest. I don't know who plays a priest, but he's like, definitely a priest, like Catholic priest starts to talk to me. He's like, hey, this, th- your kid could be like the, um, the son of, the son of Satan, basically. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the child of Lucifer, the, the dark prince. Uh, and as it goes on over the movies, he starts to uh, rise to power in politics as he gets older. Yeah. He starts to get up and he starts to go in and become a politician just like his father is. And then, you know what I mean? So it's actually like a really cool twist on it. In a way, it's kind of like, if you imagine, it's kind of like what would happen after Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Because Rosemary's Baby, you don't really see what happens to the kid other than once the initial birth and then and then the the family coming around. Or like the... um the cult surrounding the baby, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really, you don't see that baby grow up. So like, this is kind of in a way, it could spin on that way. You get to see like how power in like that evil satanic power could be like used in and like told through a different way too. So it's not like, it's not like he's a monster. It, it's it. I like the twist on him being a politician. I think it's really clever. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it, you know, it's pretty satirical, you know? I've never seen it, but that sounds really interesting. Oh yeah, you have yeah. to. Yeah, it's great, Chris. The first one, especially, and um, they did remake it uh, as they remake everything. But I mm-hmm. don't know who's in the remake. Just definitely don't watch the remake. Okay, but like, yeah, it's really good. I think it's like uh, like nineteen seventy six. That movie came yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's definitely seventies. Um, yeah. Have you seen The Exorcist, uh, Chris? No. And that's I, it. I, I've had this hang up that I'm working through where I don't watch older movies. Oh, oh that's because right. I've, yeah. I've seen them. The newer movies have been influenced by them. I'm like, oh, well, it's already been done. But no, lo and behold, the newer movies that are taking influence are actually ripping from older movies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I want to. I'm working through that. I mean, in any Ari Aster movie, it's like just, just cribbing, just cribbing the entire time. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I found myself over the years, like, it's not that I don't want to watch them. It's just I've, I've found myself, like, um, just gravitating towards more modern movies, mm-hmm. or at least stuff from my my childhood. Like, so, like, anything, like, 80s upwards, I'm very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, what I, whenever I've actually forced myself to sit and watch something earlier on, I'm, like, almost always happy that I did because there's just so, like, there's so many good filmmakers working, especially yeah. in the 70s. And in fact, the 70s, arguably, even though like I was born in 79 and like I've spent most of my life avoiding those movies, every time I watch a movie from the 70s right now, I'm like, I'm like, I should only watch movies from the 70s because it's like <laughs> right up my alley, like thematically, tonally, mm-hmm. like performance wise style. Like it's very like um, progressive mm-hmm. and like very, it feels like every time you watch a really good movie from the 70s, you're like, oh, this is, this must have been really exciting 
for them to be making movies in this period in time, like really pushing the envelope. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, they're pioneers. So, I mean, there's definitely got to be some respect there. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, I don't really have much else. I mean, an honorable mention for me would have been The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin, which is like a classic, creepy, screwed up kid. And it, and very effective too, because he's playing against type mm. in a way. Because, you know what I mean? Everybody grew up with like little cheeky face Macaulay Culkin. But like, I've only seen it like once or twice and it's not really that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do my honorable uh, mention then as... Uh, my favorite set of creepy British kids, and that's The Others. Yeah, it's such a good movie. <laughs> have you seen that, Chris, The Others? I have not. Okay, I, I'm not going to say anything, but oh, yeah. I think one of the best twists for a, a horror movie ending that uh, I've seen. So you need to watch that, like, tonight. So Yeah, they, that's a... Chris, if you do plan on watching it, yeah, go like media blackout on that one. Don't even like Google it. <laughs> like, don't even just. Yeah, just okay. Yeah. Is that the one with Nicole Kidman? Yeah. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. Cool. I'm writing that down. I have an honorable mention actually that just kind of popped into my head uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. That's fantastic. And that kid, uh, Barry, Barry Keoghan, Barry Keoghan, mm-hmm. he's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think I finished that one. I think I watched it about halfway through and was going to come back to it, and I never did. But that director's great. The Lobsters, yeah, the lobster. great. Yeah, I I remember seeing the trailer for that movie. Like Barry Keegan, uh, looks he's he's so like. I think he's really good at playing that kind of a role. Like you know what I mean? Like he's he's and like I love Colin Farrell and everything, like pretty much. So like, um. That was always been on my radar. I've just never got around to watch. Um, speaking of Ari Aster, though, guys, I know you just... Have you heard about his new movie? Which one? A little bit. A Disaster... Uh, Disaster Boulevard. Disaster Boulevard, yeah. I think it's going to be yeah. four hours long. That's what the what? current cut is at. Yeah, Not- and it's uh, it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. Um, About a guy who's trying to edit. It's a filmmaker who's trying to edit and finish his, his, his movie, uh, which is a documentary about some... Um, somebody famous in Hollywood, something like that. Hmm. Um, and it's Joaquin Phoenix. And, um, but not only Joaquin Phoenix, it's like Nathan Lane. And like the, the casting's like really weird. Huh. Um, <laughs> That's strange. And I'm just going to go out there right now and say it like, I'm super not really that excited about this movie <laughs> and I'm not really interested in saying it. I love Joaquin Phoenix, but like, I don't, I don't know. It, I was like, really? Really? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I saw a, a poster for Eggers, which was is a kind of a retelling of Nosferatu. Oh, already? It was it was on Letterbox. I was I was looking through like uh, upcoming things, and that popped up. Yeah, it's super um, early on though. Oh yeah, I should imagine a couple of years on that until mm-hmm. that comes out, yeah. and I should imagine that Aston movie is probably not until next year either. Um, okay, so we wrapped up creepy kids as best as we could. You creepy know what I mean? Kids. <laughs> Good old creepy kids. Now, let's talk about really fucking creepy kids because <laughs> the innocence, like, yeah, we mentioned creepy kids. And we talked about movies that we think are, like, good, that have effective performances by child actors. But, like, honestly, nothing we talked about is even close to how fucked up this movie is. <laughs> um, so we're going to do spoiler-free. Um, have at it, guys. Go for it, Chris. All right. Uh, like I said, I went into this blind. 
had no idea except for watching or looking at the poster and I loved it. I loved how subtle it was, how simple it was, how scaled back it was. But about halfway, I was like watching it and I started to kind of question why it was called The Innocence. Because some of the things that happen in this movie are brutal, very dark, and kind of the antithesis of what innocence is. But I think I started to get it the more I went along. And it kind of reminded me a lot of um, Akira, which is a, a classic um, Japanese anime film from the 1988 with uh, lots of children with psychic powers. And as well as uh, Harmony Korine's kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, though, uh, that's technically Larry Clark. Uh, oh, is it Larry Clark? Yeah. Uh, Harmony Korine uh, wrote kids. So oh, he we... wrote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he wrote kids. Um, I love that movie so much. Um, and like, what about like Gomo too? I suppose there's a, there's Gomo was another fucked up kids. Um, oh, but Gummo? that's interesting. Gomo, yeah. yeah. I can't. I've seen Gomo twice, and it just it psychologically scarred me each time. So I I cannot watch it again. <laughs> yeah, just it's for a trip, the dude. Just it's on the, my list. I haven't gotten around to it. Yet. Oh yeah, man, it's worth seeing. Just for the bathtub scene alone. So, yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Actually, anything anything that even is like remotely Larry Clark adjacent. So like Bully, um, Ken Park. I don't know if you guys have seen Ken Park either. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I went through a big period of time where I was super into him because I was like, he's a photographer. He was a heroin addict. He was a photographer mm-hmm. who was like, um, used to, when he was young, you know what I mean? And like, he was like kind of like a punk rock poet kind of thing who like started making movies and all these movies are like very like questionable subject matter regarding young children doing things that the young children shouldn't do. Um, I went through a big period where I thought I was super hip because I really liked him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. But I think Akira is an interesting mention, Chris, though. Yeah, I mean, just I don't want to get too much into it. I'll say it for spoilers, but those were kind of the two movies that were kind of popping in my head as I was watching this, but I, I loved it. I want to see it again. Mm. And um, yeah, I've never really seen anything like it before. And there's, I think there's a lot to unpack with this movie, despite how simple it seems on the surface. Yeah. 100% yeah. agree with that. So that's my take. So with, with me, I'm, I, I when I, when I sent you the text, Scott, I was like, we need to watch this. We need to talk about this because I think it is one of the best movies that I've seen this year. Um, and that is because of, like you said, Chris, the the kind of simplicity of of the storytelling and kind of the the magical elements or the powers elements are very subtle in it. It's not it's not over the top. It's not they they didn't go for that kind of super explosive over the top yeah. sort of effects you know there there are little small little things little subtle things that happen um that are extremely like psychological in nature so when when they're talking like the innocence you know the kind of the innocence of child or the innocence of children there's it's also like super kind of subversive in a way um that you're seeing these kids lives. Um, and I'm, I'm torn with the, uh, with the main, 
little girl. I th- I want to say her name was Anna. I I had it pulled up here. Uh, yeah, Anna. Yeah, Anna. Yeah. No, Ida. 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 And Ida then and Anna, Anna is the um is sister. the sister um yeah. with special needs um who I think the actress is not. And I was super surprised when I when I looked that up because nailed like nailed that part. Yeah. Um. And, and it's weird because like your 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 perspective your or your perspective character is Ida and you're like okay we're gonna go on the journey with her and then you're like I don't want to go on the journey with her <laughs> anymore like, because she is just a cruel cruel child, mm-hmm. um, but you you start to kind of understand why, and that is because of uh. Anna's condition and her parents are just so super focused on on that character's conditions and bringing and well-being and stuff like that and that's what a, a child of that age would do I would imagine for attention for for something like lashing out in a way that that they they need something so badly and they're not getting it so she automatically kind of drifts to to that darker side of herself and it, it's you start to kind of reinvest like, yes, this is the, the perspective that I do want to uh, investigate and like spend my time with because she shifts back and forth, you know, so many times as like super dark and brutal to caring and empathetic um, and kind of understanding that it's not just about herself but it's also about her family and her sister and her friends and stuff like that so um just the the kind of underlying story that happens in this was super intriguing um and then you get the the side characters um which were uh ben and aisha aisha yeah yeah both both great great roles great uh actors uh in their own right um playing off kind of what they have experienced how their 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 life experiences how they are kind of uh different from Anna and Ida and how they kind of come together and then pull apart ultimately um and then how everything is kind of dealt with that we'll get into is spoilers is just so super interesting. And I have so many questions that I, that I kind of want to pose, but I'm going to wait until we kind of get to that section of it. But one of the best movies that I've seen this year so far. Yeah. I second that Eric. Um, I think the movie is very special. I think um, it's doing a lot of very interesting things um, in um, like, there's a lot. And I think a lot of it, really comes down to like if i'm if i'm going to be honest the performances by the child the child the children like the child actors Mm -hmm. um i think is extremely good across Mm -hmm. the board i think all of the children um feel so unique and their performances feel so unique and their characters obviously so um so different there's i like at no point when i watched this was i feeling kid actor syndrome or like mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i i never that never like took me out of the movie if anything i found them all to be almost like raw nerves like very very like real or as much as as real as i can remember a kid being up what it was like to be a kid you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i think the movie uh so it's it's norwegian set in like um it the, the i'm kind of like semi-obsessed with the norwegian uh language because of the the 
the um the pacing and like the tone of it is like very interesting to me it's like it's not like I'm so not used to hearing the language. So when I watch a movie and it's in that language, I find it kind of hypnotic after a while. Mm. So it's definitely just like, it's just a personal thing that I'm into. But like, I think that the setting of it being over and summer, and I'm not 100% certain, but I believe in no way during summertime, they have like extended periods of daylight. Um, now, I don't know if it's full 24 hours of daylight, but I think I'm right in this where there's like um, extended periods of of brightness and like the movie feels very sun soaked to me and very like hazed out Mm. um and i think like so the setting of the movie being where it is in that like um it's like a high-rise housing complex and it's during the summer holidays so all the kids are off and there's a lot of families around it's just a very interesting setting like and um how the kids all, all live next to each other, but they're all strangers and how all these families live on top of each other, but they're all strangers. And it's not like a suburban scene because it feels so the opposite of the suburbs when you have people living in high rises like this. Yeah. I just think it's like an interesting setting for a movie that I think would, if it was filmed here, would be set in the suburbs and it would be in a high school. You know what I mean? But we, we see these kids outside of school, which I think also makes the movie interesting because what it reminded me of a lot, and I don't know about you guys, but it reminded me of being like a kid and going out to play all day during yes. the summer holidays. Yeah, yeah. And that feeling of like, we're going to go out and get in adventures and do a lot of things that I shouldn't have done and got myself in a lot of situations that I shouldn't have got myself into. And my parents don't really know where I am. And then I'll come back home and like, but I don't really tell them anything that's happened and they don't really ask anything that's happened. And then wash, rinse, repeat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think it's a very special time for a kid. And I think because of that too, it's also a very special time to frame the events of this movie in because there's like a very transitional phase for children and also a phase of where for a kid where you're like, maybe it's not so much nowadays, but unsupervised a lot. Like yeah. a lot, because you think about it during the school year, you're with your parents in the morning and then you're with your school. You know what I mean? Like you're with your teachers and your peers, but like, there's something kind of like lawless and dangerous about summer holidays for kids where they could just be out <laughs> off doing anything they want to do. Um, now I know I'm rambling a bit, but like, um, I think, I think the movies, and when we get into spoilers, this, the specific scenes, I think that might be very triggering for some people and very, very upsetting for some people. And I think it's once again, it's because we're dealing with children committing acts of violence in a way, or like children being behind acts of violence, which is like very, unsettling to to see um and i think the movie when it tries to be unsettling and shocking is super super effective mm-hmm. um they um the overall story the way it wraps up i think is very very good um in the main performance uh you're right eric it's it's ida is the main girl and yeah. anna's her sister okay so ida her performance specifically and her character's development between just like you said eric between a kid who is like you can't tell where her cruelty lies um like is it is it her cruelty just like normal kid cruelty or is her cruelty nefarious cruelty like ben's cruelty is you know what i mean and like i think the switching of her and like the the how the movie doesn't really push her in a direction it just she kind of like breathes mm-hmm. between the two i think that makes her so interesting and such a good performance by that girl and um the girl who plays aisha i thought her performance was very moving too and her character in general like how she's like an empath almost yeah very very that, empathetic yeah yeah and i thought that was one of her and, and she's just cute as a button that kid yeah like yeah. god <laughs> like what a little cutie 
Like we, we have to talk spoilers. We're going to have to take a break and we'll come back. We're going to talk spoilers for the innocence because really, if we're going to talk about the movie, we're going to spoil some shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and like, I think that's going to be the meat of our conversation. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening so far. Um, when we will be back after whatever random music I insert right now, we'll get into spoilers for the innocence. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, thanks for sticking around. We're talking spoilers for The Innocence. So guys, just before we get into it, okay, I'm going to do a, a, a quick uh, plot synopsis, um, just so we're all on the same page and, and the listeners, on. If, you, if you're listening and you decide to just go ahead with spoilers anyway, so you kind of know what's going on. So the movie really, it's it's set in a, a high-rise housing community in Norway, Um it's set during the summer holidays when all the kids are off school. Now, the movie really follows um, its four children. So we have Ida and Anna, who are sisters. Um, and their mother and father, they live with their mother and father, who we get to see. Then um, over time, they actually become in, like a small little friend group starts to form between them. A young kid called Ben, who lives with his mother, um, I guess in a single mom, or at least it's portrayed that way. We don't get to see his father. And then um, Aisha, who is, she's, again, seems to be a single parent home who lives with a mother. We don't see her father. And um, the, between those four little kids, they start to form like a little an unconventional friend group. And what's interesting about the movie is, that sounds all fine and well, the movie uh, has cycle, like, not well, it's, like, it's a psychological thriller, but it also has elements of the supernatural. So these children without any explanation as to why or how, start to develop some forms of like telekinesis and some forms of like a uh like special powers almost shall we say. Much unlike uh much like say somebody who would probably go to Xavier's school for the gifted in X Men, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um the movie doesn't really it's not really angled like a superhero movie at mm-hmm. all. Um but when these these kids start to display powers and it starts very simply between like pushing like a stone across a room or like, you know, like very, very small telekinesis powers, which rapidly start to develop. But what's interesting about the movie is the powers for the kids become stronger when the kids are a group. Yeah. And then there is like, there's like a, like a psychic link between the children. Um, now, as the movie goes on, one of the children, Ben, who is from a broken home, and not only is he from a broken home, he's we we do get hints at that Ben is being like, in a way, kind of abused by his mother. Um, definitely neglected. Definitely, the neglected, kid definitely yeah. feels yeah, definitely neglected. He feels very out of place. Um, other children, we see other children like the bigger kids kind of pick on him, bully him, and then he starts to turn. And basically, the stronger his power gets the worse he starts to behave towards the children. He has such a high, like a short temper. So when anything sets him off, he just becomes like very vengeful, very, very fast. And then it just escalates up until the point where it becomes a life and death situation between the the children. And they're all basically trying to stay alive while Ben kind of goes on a rampage, a la um, Tetsuo in Akira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's like a brief plot synopsis. We don't have to go too and deal with it. But let me ask you guys this though, though, because we were talking about, and this is important, I think. I think it's really important why this movie is effective. And if we want to talk about spoilers, why do you think there is a there is 
such an impact in what is with children in violence with children in children acting um vengeful malicious cruel like what is it about that like what why is it why does it affect us so much as adults i think scott it has to do with the whole title of the movie innocence not innocence itself but they are the innocents and this movie plays around with that and it shows elements of the 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 very like unabashed un, like when they're unapologetically honest too brutal too compassionate it's kind of all of that and i see a lot of that in the different characters like you know ben is going on a rampage but he does come from really hard circumstances and and then the way ida is so cruel to her sister her sister who has autism and the movie is i think just meant to make it made me feel really uncomfortable like seeing these children display that because you view i view children as innocent hmm i think with um with ida she's so impressionable she's easily like um impressionable say by ben initially because they they befriend each other first and she's just a, a a kid running around the the area with no friends to play with and then he approaches her so they kind of they form that bond and then uh, she also kind of starts to form that bond with uh was it aisha yeah mm-hmm. aisha yeah. and and kind of starts to kind of be more kind of impressed with with how she is and how uh empathic she is and then starting to have more of a, a relationship with her sister and understanding understanding her her sister mm-hmm. more so she's very much kind of a sponge in that situation so as far as like kids uh performing like violent acts or a scene, those acts, it's so kind of out of the norm where if you take this kind of same idea and you throw a teenagers into it, or you throw uh, adults into it, it's just standard fare. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, this is going to happen or that's going to happen sort of deal. Of course. Um, And it's nothing new and nothing shocking, but like some of the actions that happen with these kids, it's like, it's not only that it's shocking, it's 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 developmental with these characters. It's foundational with these characters, right? You're like, if you cross this line, there's no coming back from it now because you've basically you've imprinted this action into your character. And there's there's no getting around that anymore. Where if you see an adult do that, then you're like they learned that habit or they learned that as a kid, as a teenager, as something else, that's how they got here. So you're basically, you're seeing the, the, um, origin story, quote unquote, of how that all kind of came to be or will come to be. So I, I think that's why it's shocking because we're getting to see like the first steps of just horror basically for, um, for like future adults. Yeah. So I I think that's a really good point. I mean, for me, so when I'm watching it, I'm thinking about two things. I'm, I'm thinking about the Jamie Bulger murder case, uh, which was a British uh, 
crime where uh, two boys, I think it was two boys, took a little Jimmy Bulger who was like, I don't know, like six or seven and took him down by the, by the train tracks and like yeah. beat him to death, killed him. Yeah. With bricks and, and they covered him in yeah. paint. Yeah. And they were only a couple of years older than him. Um, still very much children. I'm reminded of Mary Bell, who uh, was from my neighborhood of all things uh, back home. And she was a kid who killed other kids. Um, then I'm also thinking about the that recent case with the Slender Man. Those two, oh, those three yeah, girls yeah, yeah. who became obsessed yeah. with the Slender Man, and then two of them like stabbed the shit out of one of them. Um, took her out in the woods and then and like did that. So like I'm thinking about all of this when I'm watching this movie, and then I'm thinking about the title of the movie being called The Innocents, and then I'm thinking about like how like it's it's kind of like an oxymoron in a sense that like like the notion that we were ever innocent, like or people are ever really innocent of anything. I think it's mm. like a like a it's just an interesting notion to think that like we assume that children are innocent and we because we assume that we when we talk about children we think about children when we talk about these crimes we think about like oh those kids must have been fucking evil like evil children to kill that other kid like mm-hmm. they were evil they weren't just kids they were evil kids who killed that kid mm-hmm. yeah um killed jamie bulger we talk about children like they're a different species so we talk about children like we weren't children and we mm. talk about children because what happens is as you grow older, I think you just forget, you do forget what it was like to be a kid. You remember certain things about being a kid, but you forget what it's like being a kid. You forget, like, if you think, really think about it, if I really think about my time as a kid, when especially I was their age, the age of the kids in this movie, there was so much like terrifying shit happening to me when I was a kid mm. that I couldn't process and I couldn't understand. Like so much crazy shit in like, you forget about how terrifying the world is when you're a kid and like how like everything that you have is like built on like you have no experience to to base anything how other people act around you on so you don't have the benefit of knowledge over time so like the older you get you learn how people are and you learn how people act and what people do when you're a kid you don't have any of that. Like, if you think your mother's mad at you and she says, I'm going to leave you, you think your mother's going to leave you and you're going to be stuck in a house forever by yourself. Yeah. If you lose your parents, <laughs> you think, I'm going to never, ever going to see my parents again. If you're getting bullied when you're a kid and some kid says, I'm going to kick your ass after school, you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get yeah. murdered and I'm going yeah. to die. Because you, once again, you've you've had no lived experience. So everything is like this like terrifying fucking like hellscape when you're a kid. But we glorify our childhoods and we remember, it. not always, people also block trauma from childhood too so a lot of people can have like significant trauma in childhood and just block it out as an adult and i think what's interesting is is when we think about creepy kids and we talk about kids who commit crimes and we see children who act cruel towards other children we think of them as a different species i do that's i literally think of children as like i was never a child like Mm. that's part of the reason why i don't want a kid is like you know what i mean i don't really like they seem alien and foreign to me children um, but we were all kids and yeah, like yeah so like I, I just keep coming back to that theme and like the cruelty that children have like and what's interesting about um is that anna so anna is uh chastising in, in like f- physically abusing ida her sister with the um who's developmentally challenged okay? switch it switch oh, it, switch it. it. okay yeah. <laughs> okay so ida is abusing anna yeah yeah okay think about it though she genuinely thinks that her sister doesn't feel pain because her sister doesn't cry. Yeah. So when she's yeah. like punching her, like not punching, but when she's like squeezing her really tight, in her child logic, she's like, well, she's not crying. She's not in pain. Um, there's like, 
And like the cruelty that they have, like when they take, like uh, Chris, I was specifically worried about you for the cutscene because the cutscene's pretty egregious in this movie. The the murder of an animal. Yeah. I hate, I hate seeing animals get murdered in general, but like this one's pretty savage. But like when they throw the the cat down a flight of stairs, like I know so many kids that did shit like that when I was a kid. Like, I know so many kids that did stuff like that. Um, my dad by his own admission, <laughs> he's probably not listening to this podcast, he had a cat and what they did was they they made a parachute for the cat and they threw the cat off the roof of a building. Oh, and the cat, like, it landed fine because cats, like, it's actually pretty interesting when you look into the science of why cats survive really, really tall, high drops. It's because their body hits, like, an equilibrium with uh, how light they are mm-hmm. and then the <laughs> velocity and it balances. <laughs> and it's like it's like a scientific thing. Speaking of. Speaking yeah, of, right? Yeah. There we go. Um um, but anyway, that's the side note. But like that scene was very, very jarring and very shocking to me. But it's the escalation of those childish, innocent, stupid things that kids do that becomes really, really, really terrifying. So like, yeah, we know that kids can like be cruel to animals. Like I've seen it myself. I've I've been in grocery stores and I've seen kids who've had puppies and they'll like grab the puppy and squeeze its neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. part of me wants to like slap a kid and go, get off the puppy. You know I, mean? I don't think <laughs> but, uh, it's malicious. I think it's just ignorance. It's not. And, it's yeah, ignorance. And it's also like, yeah. And like children are really, really cruel. Like they just are because it's like our primal, they, they, they're like us in like our primal state. You know what I mean? Um, but it's when the movie takes that though, and it starts to push it, that it starts to get really, really. And like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think the single most disturbing scene in the movie is when he becomes angry at Aisha. And I think Aisha's telepathic link between her and Anna is really beautiful and yeah. like really, really mm-hmm. interesting how they can, she can talk to her. And I think Aisha's just such a beautiful soul, like such a, like a, a caring, sweet soul. But when Ben basically, the scene when Ben makes her mother kill her mm-hmm. is really fucked up. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, that was a that was a so that was so tough to kind of to kind of watch and how that kind of progressed because there was nothing that she could do to stop it. Um where say Anna could stop it with her mind the same way that kind of Ben could they both kind of had that that mind control in a way or or could control their situations enough where Aisha was just kind of she was just an empath you know she could feel and that that was her skill or that was her power or something like that and to know that there was absolutely nothing that she could do to stop the situation is just like so horrible it's so horrible um she just knew it was coming and just waited yeah she for knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think it was I think it it kind of it started to subvert it like right off the bat because you get that title scene and then you it it kind of pushes into Ida and she's sitting there laying asleep on their car or in the car going to the new uh location and she turns and looks at Anna and the first thing she does is pinch her leg. So you're like innocence and then there, she's already doing something like egregious, like right off the bat. So you're like, what, what is going on? And then you, you slowly see that over time where they're destroying an anthill because they, you know, because they're trying to show power or, or yeah, the cat scene, which she steps on the worm. 
Oh, steps on the worm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like trying to push your limits. Like how, how bad, not, not necessarily how bad can I, can I be? It's like, it's almost curious. Like what can I get away with in a, in a way? Testing power. Testing power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's so interesting I, during that cat scene where Ben is, has completely, I don't want to say bought into it, but he has, he's complacent or he has um he's able to compartmentalize like everything that's going on with him right and uh he's like well i guess it's in pain i guess i should kill it and just kind of move on sort of thing and then she has that that moment where she's not ready to kind of take that step and go forward and 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 participate in that she's curious she's very curious about it but she's also cognizant enough to know that there is something wrong or something wrong is going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where you get that very kind of interesting back and forth, you know, uh, of good, good and evil sort of thing and where that mm-hmm. kind of line ends up. They really like to blur the lines because, mm-hmm. you know, at what point is Ben being malicious? You know, at what point is he just testing his limits and just being a kid? Yeah. And for me, I think that scene was the hot dog water scene with all yeah. his mom's legs. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Yeah, that's awful. She's already down and basically is just torturing somebody who's knocked out yeah. by pouring scalding hot water all over her legs just because he could. Yeah. But then, the but then, point. yeah, it, it really was. But then also he was like, He's wanting to, I don't want to say take care of, but he, he's after a while, he's like, I better fix this situation. So he tries to kind of cover her. Yeah. Yeah, Tries to cover her legs and, uh, but doesn't go for help sort of thing. Um, But I think that is just because he realizes not necessarily that he did something wrong, but he realizes that he took away a source of, he took away a resource that being of sustenance, that mm-hmm. being of of yeah. caretaking, of yep. you know, as soon as kind of she was taken out of the picture, she was she was that kind of idea of okay, I I no longer have neglect in my life. I no longer have someone who's not paying attention to me in my life. Now it's just all on me. And I think he kind of that heaviness took over and he's like, now I'm just by myself and having to process all this kind of evil shit that, that I really want to do. (laughs) And, and I don't, I, and I don't have that kind of that, that leveling that maybe his mother, that disciplinary kind of leveling that maybe his mother provided, you know? Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting the way it balances between the magical nature and the childlike wonder being a kid, like with the whole fact that, because I remember when I when I was a kid and played outside, I would pretend I had powers, psychic yeah. powers, and that that mm-hmm. captured that really well. Yeah. And the fact that no adults see them using these powers, this is all happening under their nose. Yeah, and it's yeah, and I love that. Made me think like, is this actually happening, or is this really just imaginative? All the way to what you're talking about, like Scott with being a child is terrifying. Yeah, totally. And kind of just I, I going think, back and yeah. forth. No, yeah, I and I think that point specifically you made that like uh, how. The parents are kept so separate from 
from what's happening and then it's not like we get into a situation where the parents are like oh my god little billy's got spice like psychic mm-hmm. powers you know what i mean or anything like that like and i love that element about the movie i love mm-hmm. that i love the secrecy of a child's world like yeah. it's a kid's world yeah and like in and, and what's interesting about ben too is like if we think about ben so like i i think his mother is at least trending towards physically violent with him there's a scene where she kind of like hits him like not hits him but like there's like a it's like there's definitely some form of abuse happening between him and his mother and then um think and then he's getting chastised by the other boys like his peer group because that's imagine too he's actually hanging out with a bunch of girls which i don't know about you when you're a boy like a kid at least for me i would only hang out with girls who i was related to when i was Mm. a little kid like I'd want to be with my peer group, which is boys. You know what I mean? So like the, he is, um, he is essentially, I don't know, like what's kind of fucked up about it. And what, like the more I think about it, the more I think it's like tied into the, the, the unfortunate, uh, spate of school shootings here. The one most recent one in Texas where the kid mm-hmm. was a bully kid and then th- i'm guessing some kind of neglect or like social neglect or whatever it was um had access to assault rifles and then killed a lot of kids it what we're really seeing is we're seeing a kid who's uh neglected forgotten about confused sad angry doesn't understand what how to process his anger Mm. in who has a in is using everything he has as this gift to fuck up people you know what i mean so like we're seeing that in real like we're seeing that and, and it's like in a microcosm or in like a different kind of like Genesis state, but it's the same principle really mm. is, 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 is a lonely outsider, a lonely frustrated male outsider who is struggling to deal with his power and yeah. then abusing it. You know what I mean? Um, so we have that element in two. And then also um, the, I think the dynamic between the two sisters is really interesting too, because I'm going to get this wrong again, but Ida is um the littler one (laughs) yes is resentful towards anna because her mother and father have to spend so much time with her because of her condition and so much time invested in her and like for a kid too that's also like well am i not as important am i not get like you know what i mean like what about me? And then she's like, we don't know if we can trust you to look after your sister. You know what I mean? Like um, you go outside and run around, but we've got to sit and work with these. You know what I mean? Like for a kid, that must be very difficult too. And like, she must in a way resent her sister for, although it's not her sister's fault. She, I think there's like a resentment and an anger towards her. You know what I mean? But there's also this kind of like what's on the flip side, which is really pretty and really sweet. Is that like, there's also this desire for her to communicate with her sister. Cause she can't communicate with yeah, her sister. Yeah. And, they, and like, you can see it when Aisha can talk with her sister and they, and you, you can see like her face and she's like, she wants to be part of that. And she wants to have a relationship with her sister. You mm. know what I mean? And like, it's very touching at the end where they hold hands and she runs by her side and they hold hands. And then like, what's really cool too, is that her sister, as her powers develop, she runs to her protection all the time. Um, Oh yeah. Despite the fact that, um, the, there has been some level of like bullying between the two of them, despite all of what, what's happened, her sister, she's obviously older, um, she always runs to the defense of the other girls. Like, you know, it's like immediately. And like, it's very touching. And I think like that, that relationship between them is very sweet and like, and and it's, it's tragic in it, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, 
I love that. I think it's really, really well done. Let me ask you this. Um, do you think, because this, this is something that I was kind of, I was trying to figure out as I was watching it. Do you think that um, Ida and Anna had those powers before they ended up in that kind of development because Ben and Aisha were already there. Right. Um, And so they had already kind of established or had some experience with it where uh, uh, Ida and Anna, you start to see it develop kind of as they kind of get there. And then when you start going towards the ending of the movie, and there's that that push and that battle uh, between the sisters and Ben. None of the other adults around there are even aware of anything going on, but it's all the kids mm-hmm. who are kind of looking off in that direction or the kids that come up over the balcony and start kind of seeing what's going on. So I'm super curious if, and they don't explain it, but I'm super curious if it's like they didn't develop anything until they got to this location and either the kind of communal aspect of it uh, brought that out or because everybody, all the other kids might had some sort of power uh, or some sort of empathies, whatever it is. Um, reinforced or kind of in not infected but kind of yeah kind of gotten to their in their into their lives in that way so i i don't know i found that suit that super entertain super interesting i think i think that's a really good question eric i think they developed those powers when they got there because my take on it is that community of children through them being together they strengthen mm-hmm. each other yeah, because I felt like the kids that were on the balcony were actually helping. They were helping yeah, Anna and Ida, and like combining their powers to take mm-hmm. out the one who's quote unquote the evil one. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there's like there's something magical, and maybe it's just like that childlike wonderment that can only be shared amongst children that adults cannot understand. That I think that was just portrayed through powers in that that community. Yeah, and I I agree with that, and like also I think like the because her, her her sister we know um i'm gonna mess it up again we know that ida's telekinetic anna's telekinetic powers yeah, yeah. um <laughs> anna's telekinetic we know that she has powers and we know she's conversating like convert like conversing with um aisha uh from a distance and we also know that when her ben her and ben are together um the their powers amplify when they're together yeah. okay so we know that's going on but Anna, we actually discover that Anna, when she breaks the cast off, like it's the first emergence of the fact that she might have a power because up until this point, <laughs> she does that's, that's Ida. Yeah, oh, that's bloody Ida. hell. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so when Ida breaks the cast at the end, when she's running out to Anna's defense, okay, that's the first time there's an indication that she might have a power because yeah, the movie- that- that was super interesting. It's like the whole time you're like, so she doesn't have anything. So yeah. my whole thing is like, what is her power? Is she just a sponge? Does she just kind, well, kind think- of like how Aisha is a, is an empath and she mm-hmm. can kind of communicate. I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out, well, what is Ida's power? Is she like, like kind of a rogue character where she takes on mm-hmm. other people's powers? 
Well, I think what's interesting about this movie, in I think the like, truly interesting about the movie is that that's either important or it's totally not important. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think like like the way Chris talked about it too is that like the kids the, the kids collectively could share this power the kids could get their power and then we know that power increases the more time they spend together but then we also know that they um the power start roughly about the same time and then so it could be all these kids in a specific area have a power we do know that there's like a the 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 woods outside of the area like the the, the nature area outside of the the housing estate yeah. It beckons the kids a lot kids go and run out and play in the woods so we don't know if it's like a, a like a spiritual yeah. natural connection or whatever it is uh, or if it's this like energy thing so it's like this hive of energy because you have all of these young people living in this like stacked on top of each other so it's like forming this kind of like whatever yeah again uh or it's just the fact that they're just using all that shit as some kind of metaphor for children figuring out who they are yeah you know what i mean yeah and and in in the special power of the again like being a kid is a special power you like you know what I mean yeah. like you do have that like totally yeah. different worldview that uncorrupted worldview that like um that it like innocence is it's I guess if you are truly innocent if anybody's born I, I sound like such a catholic right now because I obviously from the school <laughs> like you're born guilty so nobody's born innocent um but like that innocence is the superpower yeah. You know what I mean? I would say the yeah. most interesting thing would have been is if they didn't kill Ben at the end. Because if Ben didn't die the way that he did, um, then we would never know. We would never know if um if it was just kind of all in their heads. Because when the boy um breaks his leg on the basketball court or when Ben like projects and like breaks that kid's leg, that can also be interpreted that that kid broke his leg during, during a basketball game, you know? So the only thing that really kind of leans more towards them having uh, special abilities or powers is that they kill Ben at the end with it. Yeah. Like, I think like that does kind of break the illusion of like how vague it could be. Well, still not 100% breaking it. Like, um, and, and yeah, you're right. Because like, think about it too, when you're a kid and you hear stories about things that happen to other kids. And when you're a kid, you imagine that it was something crazy. So like that kid did get his head caved in by a brick on the bridge by that old guy. Right. Yeah. But when you're a kid also, like you can't process that some guy might just kill a kid. You exactly. I mean? exactly. So like, you're like, like, I don't know about you, but like I had a friend of mine die uh, when I was young, like the same age as these kids. A friend of mine died and he died in a fire. Damn. And it was really, really bad. And like, um, basically it was kind of tragic. So he died in the fire and um, he basically got scared. So he hid underneath his parents' bed. He hid under the bed and then he died of like smoke inhalation because he was just scared. But when I was a kid and I was, uh, they sat me down, my parents sat me down and like, hey, we've got something to tell you, you know, blah, blah, Um. And I couldn't process any of it when I was a kid. Mm. So like, I just didn't even, I was like, what are you talking about? He's dead. Like, I don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. So like, I don't know if he's also using this kind of like playing into that, like, you know, like kids playing pirates or kids playing like, like playing roles where they fully believe that all this stuff's happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like, and also their like inability to actually process things like mothers do kill children. Yeah, mothers yeah, do abuse children yeah, you know what I mean yeah like um children are bullied like 
um, kids kill other kids. You know what I mean? And then it's like, yeah, accidents happen in kitchens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Accidents happen in kitchens. And like, um, I don't know. I think that's what I honestly, that's what makes this movie fucking rule is because like, he's, he's so specifically not really taking any kind of a stance. It's like this whole movie has its own dream logic. And like, I, I don't know. I think that's like really cool how we can just kind of pull it apart like that, you know? Yeah. 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 This whole time I'm trying to think if there's any other way that Ben could have just died of natural causes on that swing. So it's all still left open to Yeah, but think about it. Neglect, he'd been by, his mother's been dead for probably about a week, at least a week at this point. Yeah. Where's he getting food from? Yeah, um, true. Neglect, um, for all we know, like too, he could be having seizures. So he yeah. could be having some kind of epileptic, like by the time he dies, his face is all like uh, dirty because he's not being kept clean. Um, like he could have had some kind of infection. Uh, Aisha, when she falls over and we think Ben's, uh, first time ben tries to murder her she basically has a heart attack um and she's like wheezing and she can't breathe and feels like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so like all of those things theoretically could be just real shit that's happening to those kids yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. super interesting i mean yeah yeah there's so many ways that you could kind of interpret everything that's kind of going on in their lives so i it bends both it bends both ways where if you want to kind of accept it as this uh kids with power movie it's completely viable and then you can also accept it as kids who are dealing and processing different types of trauma in their lives you know and and that's just as viable too so um oh yeah or like a mix it could be you know uh, or a mix yeah 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 um i just a just a really double down on what i said earlier on the performances by the children are really really good very strong like yeah yeah um like the main lead the girl um ida i got it right this time there you go her performance (laughs) alone i'd put her performance alongside any other performance i've seen all year yeah easily yeah i think she's like so compelling to, to watch and um so charming and so terrifying at the same time and like you, 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 you kind of want to protect her sometimes, and then you kind of want to wring her neck because you're like you're a little shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and, and she goes through all of that, like you know what I mean? Ben's very one note, it, not in a bad way, but Ben's very much like the sullen, sad, angry boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- which I get, but it, it's done very well. But like, he's just not likable from the very beginning. Like, um, and it's they almost show no likable side to him at all um but the other characters are far more dynamic um, yeah yeah i mean i guess you're supposed to have empathy for him after he kills his mom basically and he realizes what he's done and he kind of breaks down a little bit and at that point i i would say okay i should have a certain <laughs> amount of empathy for him but <laughs> But I want to slap him. Yeah. But it's it's so difficult because of all just kind of the heinous stuff that he's that's kind of led up to that. You but know? maybe Zarek, though, that's the point of that, though. Yeah, that's the point of his character is like we're supposed to just automatically write him off as a piece of shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is like what we do to young boys in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do to like disenfranchised young men. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you're a piece of shit. You're written off, and then what happens? It festers and it turns sour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and maybe that says a lot about us as a society, just seeing any of those traits in him and automatically just assuming that's what he is. 
Yeah, I agree. But the, there were he there was also no outlet that he could go towards because the kids. I don't think the kids were necessarily going to help him in any way because they were afraid of him. There are no adults. I mean, the the adults in the movie just are pretty much non-existent for the most part. There's no true interaction and no um, mean means of help. I guess there's no police really. There's the only doctors you see are with Anna. Um, there's no house visits or anything like that. So it's it, he's very much kind of on his own the entire time. Yeah, but I think that's the beauty of the movie and setting yeah. it during some holidays. Is yeah. that like, you know what I mean? Like, again, I think that's like the genius of it is. Yeah. Like, I, I, and I just keep thinking about my, I, I do, I keep thinking about my own childhood and I keep thinking about my summer holidays and I keep thinking about like the times that I'd be out all day long, like sun up to sundown and like I'd just be doing weird shit and like how, yeah. how I felt like I was like, <laughs> um, I felt like really, really like, like, let loose and like yeah. feral and like i was yeah. like it was an adventure and like i don't know you know what i mean? don't know if you experienced this chris um i it might be a generation thing i'm not sure i mean maybe 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 not is uh the latchkey kids yeah no um i definitely wasn't a latchkey kid but uh, i know about latchkey kids yeah so i was a latchkey kid scott you might have been a, kind of in that area where parents are off working maybe you're um raised or you go home to a grandparent who's much older and not as observant or anything like that. So you're, you're on your own until from when you wake up to go to school to when you kind of come home, eat dinner and go to bed. So this kind of term latchkey kid, we walked around with house keys and we can let her let ourselves come and go. And mm-hmm. there's no, there was no real supervision. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's like so much, crazy nonsense that, that you get into at that at those ages with no supervision no kind of like this you're relying on other kids to kind of say to toe a line and set parameters when we're all kind of the same right yeah. so it's oh, yeah, totally. it's it's uh lord of the flies you know so yeah totally and like when i was a kid like i i, I had like i could literally like I was outdoors my entire childhood. Yeah. I was never inside ever at any point in my childhood. And I would be like, I could literally go across the entire city and I would. Sometimes I would literally go like to the opposite side of the city in areas that I didn't know. And I'd just be walking around and then I'd just like figure out how to get a bus back and just show up back home later on in the <laughs> evening. And I was yeah. like a kid, like no cell phone, didn't have a cell phone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> bear with me two seconds. It just kind of sprung to mind, right? So over my time as a kid, a feral child running around doing crazy shit, <laughs> I saw some pretty crazy shit when I was a kid, like some pretty crazy shit. Um, this one time I was playing in the woods with my buddies and I saw two or three kids coming over the, the crest of the hill. Two or three kids turned into like 15 and 20, turned into like 30, right? <laughs> and all these kids came down and like they were from the other neighborhood across on the other side of the like we called it a dean but it's kind of like a, a valley like a ravine in like the woods that runs splits neighborhoods yeah so all these kids came over from the other neighborhood from a different like i didn't know any of them and then what they did was they pulled out um box cutters and then they pinned us down it was just me and two i think two of my other friends 
And then um, I was held at knife point in my throat and it felt like I was there all day long. And they would like slap us and like, like do weird shit with us. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, I don't know if I ever got sexual. I don't know if I did. I can't even remember like the, the full... I've definitely seen other shit get sexual with kids when I was with kids in the woods because I'd hang out in the woods a lot. Um, but like I was like held at knife point like all day long. And like what's really funny about that is, is that why I told me I never told my parents about that. My parents mm. had no idea that shit happened. Yeah. And I went out again the next day and did some crazy ass shit. That in those same woods over, over a period of time, I would see like grown men sniffing glue. I'd see men shooting up. Um, this one time, me and my friends were there and I'm... This, sorry if this is graphic, but like we were walking past it and there was a woman in a bush, a fo- like an adult woman in a bush. And uh, she was like um, masturbating in the bush with her pants off. And like um, all the boys stood and watched what she did. Wow. <laughs> and uh, okay, so my point I'm raising by saying this, right, is that all of these things that I'm describing happened when I was really young. And yeah. I have no way to pass that filter over how, what was actually happening. But did that actually happen? Or has this become like some kind of like child version or interpretation of what happened? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, mm. and I can't tell, like there's, there was a lot of shit that happened. Like um, I had a friend who I'd go to stay at his house and um, his dad would like um, make meals and stuff. And he would always like be watching porn, like hardcore porn. And I was like, I'd always <laughs> oh. like, I was like seven. You know what I mean? And like my parents to this day probably don't even know that happened. You know what I mean? But like when I was a kid, like was he watching hardcore porn? Or was I just, you know what I mean? Or like did I say something? And then like, I don't, and that's what I think is interesting about this movie is that like it's, it's child logic applied to situations that children can't understand, in which case everything can spiral, you know? Very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had definitely experiences like that. I mean, I was chased by a bunch of drunk girls with knives when I was younger around the neighborhood. And then we we were shooting um, a slingshot with a water balloon at houses and we broke a window and the the glass got embedded into the wall. Just like things like that. I had gang wars in my neighborhood with airsoft guns with my kids or my (laughs) friends. Or we would like run across the street and fall in front of cars with ketchup in our hands to make the cars think that we had hurt ourselves. Just stupid things we get into being outside all day with no no way to occupy our time but to make, like, just do whatever we want. And there was, like, yeah. a fantastical, magical element to that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think this, that the movie, this movie captures that. Absolutely. It does, um, in a way, it captures a lot of... Uh, I think it's a very special movie. And I think mm-hmm. the more I talk about it, the more I like the movie. Mm-hmm. Which Me is, too. like, you know, and, like... um. I want to watch it more, but I'm going to deliberately not watch it more for a while and let it sit. Yeah. And then like, I might reapproach it in a few months time and not do my usual thing. Well, watch it like 18 times. At a row. <laughs> um, so have you seen, you've seen it twice then? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, pr- I think I would, would like to revisit it a little bit later in the year. Um, once all the other kind of movies that I've kind of anticipated dropping, but I still think that it's going to be very hard to kind of take the spot of this one right now because it it really is it. I and I really hope people get the, a chance to kind of see it. It it is really a special, it a special movie, and it's not a movie that you're going to see like anytime soon again. You know, so 
as much as I can kind of push this and like, you know, I, some people stray away from subtitles and stuff like that. It's really, I think it's like super beneficial if you kind of give it a chance and really invest the time in, uh, I think the reward will, will kind of outweigh any of the hard work that you might have to do, um, to see it. I think it's a very, very special movie. Um, I think I'm going to hold off on, um, trying to rank it right now and trying to like i'm definitely not going to rewatch it for a while and I'm, I'll, I'll revisit around the end of the year just like you said when it comes mm. to us us compiling our best of the of the year um all i say right now is yes i think like what you summed it up perfectly eric um very special movie um very unique movie um 100 100 recommend yeah absolutely yeah but on another note though I am interested on how your jerky is doing in your yeah. dehydrator. <laughs> <sighs> so actually, I had to go oh, get no. more meat because I left the meat in my in the hot oh. sun. So it's actually marinating today and being dehydrated. Oh, uh, did you have to get rid of that meat? Yes, it had been in my car for two days, almost at a hundred <laughs> degrees. Wouldn't that just be doing the job for you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a very unconventional, potentially un- very unsafe way to get to jerky. I think they just call that aged aged beef. Uh, someone will buy yeah, it. It was it someone was great. It. it was great when I pulled it out of the bag. <laughs> oh, that's so gross! Like, yeah, like it had been semi cooked. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> I gross. Did not even open it. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah, don't even touch it with your bare hands. Okay, well that's exciting. That's a a jerky check in for the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Guys, we'll wrap it. Um, we've been rolling nearly two hours now. Um, before we leave, any recommendations? Yes. Uh, there's a movie called You Won't Be Alone. Uh, let me look up who it's Oh, by. yeah. Yeah. With um, I yeah. watched it the other day and really enjoyed it. It's a foreign film. Takes place in Macedonia. Oh, okay. About the witch. Yeah, about a oh. witch and just pretty much like her life, like that- living vicariously through other people because she can take, she can shapeshift. Nomi Nomi Rapace. Ne- yeah. Nomi. Yeah, directed by Goran Stolevsky. Mm. Was did you watch that on Peacock? Um no, I watched it on um Plex. Oh, uh, oh yeah, well it's on it's on Peacock right now. And it's funny you said that because I didn't know what you were talking about until you told me the description. And I was like, Yeah, I've seen that trailer a few times. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's been on my radar since it was kind of released. I just haven't, I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I, I definitely want to see that. Um, what did I watch? I think I said, I said it the last time that we, um, podcasted, I finished the pistol miniseries that Danny Boyle did, which I really enjoyed, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so much so that I'm, uh, listening to the Steve Jones, uh, memoir right now and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, read oh, by cool. the author. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, talked about kind of messed up childhood. That's yeah, your guy right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to watch this weekend. I'm going to try and catch the the Anthony Bourdain documentary Roadrunner that was just released on HBO. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters. Fantastic. Yeah, and then we talked about uh, the Scott the 
Mission Impossible 4, the Ghost Protocol. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I hadn't seen, so I'm going to uh-huh. watch that because I want to watch that. the other ones after it. Uh, yeah. uh, I haven't seen any of them because I had missed that fourth one. So mm-hmm. I'm going to invest some time, watch that, and then I'm going to start Barry Season 3. I want to finish mm-hmm. that. And then I'm going to re- start rewatching Ozark because that has wrapped up. And I kind of want to wait to binge that entire thing because it was so good. Yeah. Busy, busy boy. Um, busy. Isn't that crazy? We were, I was just talking about that at work uh, today with somebody that like just the amount, the sheer amount of television is so overwhelming now. Like I started watching uh, Shining Girls, which is really good. I started watching oh, Serpent, yeah. Yeah, watch which is really that, good. Yeah. I started watching Under the Banner of Heaven, which is really good. And like, there's just so many shows right now. And I'm like, I haven't finished any of them. And I've started and I've like watched <laughs> one of each and I'm kind of like, oh, that's good. That's good. And then it's, it's like every other day, like something's out and it's like got an amazing cast. And I'm like, kind of like, I just, I don't know. We might be at like peak saturation point, like oversaturation right yeah. now. And yeah. like, um, you just got to pull the trigger on something and just be like, yeah, this, I know, this right? is what it is. Well, what, what, uh, my wife and I do is we have this notepad on, on our refrigerator. And every time there's a show that comes up that we see that looks good, we just write it on there. And then what we'll do is we just pick one, start it, finish it, scratch it off the list. Go How long is your time. list? Cause I have a theoretical it's, list too. And then never it's get pretty to long. it. <laughs> It's pretty long. It's like 15 movies right now. Uh, 15 shows. So that's not like movies. That's fucking shows. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, um, um, I want to mention one other thing real quick. I just remembered that we finished. It was uh, on Apple TV, Apple TV original documentary, four-parter called The Big Con, uh, oh, C-O-N-N, yeah. about, and I won't give any big spoilers, but it's about a West Kentucky social security lawyer who basically um stole from the government uh, like 550 million dollars over a period of time and it's just all about this guy's life and it is insane some of the stuff that happens um throughout these episodes it's it's four parts hour long each and it is so much fun. It's so hilarious. It's so tragic. Uh, it's all of the above. A very good show. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. That sounds really good. Um, movies. I've just been doing this weird thing where like, I'm so tired right now that I like, watch a little bit of a movie before bed on my iPad, just when I'm like laying in bed. And I'll just be enough to get me off to sleep. You know what I mean? So I'll, match, <laughs> I'll last like 15 minutes and then I'll doze off. So over the past week or so, I've watched like Independence Day and it took like, 10 viewings because i would watch it in such small <laughs> gaps and then i fall asleep and then um i watched uh oh, I, right now i'm working through 2012 the john cusack disaster movie oh which yeah is, nice. so I'm, I'm obviously sticking to a theme you can tell with like the um the shitty big budget action movies uh disaster movies but it was funny rewatching independence day because i have a lot of nostalgia for that movie for some reason i don't know why um I was definitely not a child when I saw it. You know what I mean? Um, but I think, I think it's just, I had nostalgia for being a big box, like big box office, like cinema experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the special effects being so like, whoa, that's crazy at the time when I saw it, you know? Um, and it's just funny watching it again. And like, it's how it's, it's very camp and it's very silly, but like, 
something about it just works it's just fun and i can't really you know what i mean it's like i know it's the same guy that did moonfall the one that just came out recently <laughs> i was gonna um, say are you watching re-watching moonfall yet i know so. i'll probably get to moonfall but what's funny about it is is like moonfall is very similar it, it's like a similar setup for they all have a formula these movies like the day after tomorrow and yeah. 2012 yeah. And, and you know what i mean but like there's something about Independence Day that just works. And then it, that formula just doesn't work in the other movies as well. Um, I can't really put my, I don't know. It's one of the few times I've actually liked Jeff Goldblum to him too. You say I don't like Jeff Goldblum at all, but like he's pretty fun in Independence Day. I, I find him far more tolerable than I do in other things. You know what I mean? Oh um, yeah. Will Smith, pre-slap. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the thing is though, like, if they remade that movie shot for shot now and it just looked way better, would it still work? Or does, no. it, it, does it just work no. because all of the <laughs> no. elements happened at the right time that I, makes lets you know that's a, what the 90s? Late 90s? Yeah. yeah. That's 90s, a late uh, 90s movie. Yeah, totally. And I think that it's just like, it's just like of its time. It's like, yeah. it's a perfect like time capsule, that movie. It's not a good movie, but it just encapsulates when it came out so well and like what was going on in the theater and like Will Smith is his ascendancy to being like the biggest star on the face of the planet. And like, um, you know what I mean? Bill Pullman and like that stoic president kind of role and like <laughs> the, the emergence of CGI on such a grand scale that they could do a lot of stuff even. And then, but they were still using miniatures too. So when they like the blow up the light, uh, the white house, it's still like miniatures tied in with CGI. And like, he made that on a smaller budget than you'd think, but like, it's just something fun about that period of time in like Hollywood movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where like mm. it didn't feel as like it doesn't feel as by like committee as movies like that do now. Like you know what I mean? They yeah. don't feel as like there's like an innocence to it, like a, a childish innocence and like stupidity to that movie. <laughs> Whereas now you can tell that it's been through like. I mean, I know it, it still happened at the time. I'm not silly. I know there was still advertising in and still executives and still like people running those movies. But nowadays it feels like so much more cynical when you see stuff like, you know what I mean? You know, it's like had so many Chinese investors and like it's got to play to an international audience and it's got to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can see the, the machinery more now than you could back then. Roland Emmerich, that's who Roland it is. Emmerich, yeah. 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 Anyway, that's my side ramble about Independence Day. <laughs> a which is coming bonus up soon. episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that on we'll do that on Indep- uh, the Independence Day episode. Uh, they did make a sequel too, but I haven't seen it. But it looks fucking awful. So it was I'm terrible. Watch it. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. Um, okay, thanks guys. Another really excellent episode in the bag. Um, not sure what we're doing next. Um, there's a couple of episodes in the bank, so to speak, that need to be released that were pre-recorded that I might get to. Um, other than that, uh, everybody have a wonderful week. If there is a heat wave and you are in the south and you are in Tennessee, stay cool. If you no matter where you are, stay cool, level-headed, and um, we'll see you guys next time. Well, Scott, you know what's cool? When you rate, subscribe, and review. Yeah. And smash that like button. <laughs> smash smash the it. shit out of that like button. Um, is there a like button? No. I have no, no idea. There isn't. So. There isn't. <laughs> but give, on YouTube. Smash it by giving us a five-star rating. Smash that five-star. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, smash it and, and five-star it and tell us how horrible we are. Yeah. It still counts. Uh, yeah. Just if, yeah, like if you are going to say anything negative, just make it about Eric. Because he's just going to shit. Please. And his ego it fuels will be me. Batted. 
So like, just make it all about him and channel whatever you don't like about me. I've got a feeling I'd be the least like person on this podcast by the the general public. So like, channel it into Eric. Channel it into Eric. I'm fragile. I'm very fragile, and my ego would be bruised very easily. So um, I've already been told that I talk too much. So and that kind of affected me. So (laughs) it clearly didn't stop me talking too much. Well, a podcast is for talking, so yeah, thank exactly. you. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Till next Bye. time.